All right. So, just a reminder where we are in Deuteronomy. We're in chapter 4, as you can see, verses 1 through 8. This is still part of Moses' first message to the people of Israel as they get ready to cross into the promised land to take possession of it. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, is a, it's a really long chapter, um, 49 verses, and Moses' Moses' first message actually ends before the end of chapter 4 in, in verse 40. Um, but last week we finished um, chapter 3, and chapter 3 contains what, what is probably Moses' greatest disappointment. You will remember that, um, not being able to enter the promised land, and so we ask this, how do you deal with life's greatest uh, disappointments And without spending too much time here? Um, This is how Moses dealt with it. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there? in heaven or on earth, who can do such works and mighty acts as yours. I've got that, in, got that highlighted um, because um, something like that comes up tonight. For what God is there in heaven or on earth that can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan that the good hill that good hill country, and Lebanon. Um, and that seems like a reasonable request under the circumstances. Moses, at the end of his life, um, God is gracious and merciful, uh, but God has a different plan. And he sa- it says this, But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter Again, So Moses doesn't grumble like the people of Israel did. Um, and from the text, it doesn't look like he ever speaks to him again about this. Moses does what God tells him to do, but he does use it as a teaching point later um, as we go. In fact, toward the, toward the middle or the end of, of chapter 4, he will bring it up again. Um, but Moses ends up dealing with this great disappointment in his life by just doing what God says, by just doing what God commands. And then a few verses later, the chapter closes with this. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. So that's where they were, and that is near where Moses was buried. So this is the end of, not quite the end of the, of the first message, but, but um, he will be buried there. I think it is about where he starts the second of, the, of these three messages. So right after um, this verse, there's a shift in Moses' message, and that's where we're going to pick it up right now, right with that shift. So the rest of this message, chapter 4, verses 1 through 40, you can tell that's 40 verses, right? So, um, so the plan is to finish that in, in over three weeks. So tonight we have uh, verses 1 through 8. But, but one of the things to think about as we, as we start this off is 
Uh, many of you have your Bibles out already. I've got mine here. What am I holding in my hands? What are you holding in your hand? Um, so take a moment just to think about that. What are you holding in your hand? Most of us would say it's the Bible or, or it's the Word of God, right? Um, which would be right. So what does it mean that we're holding God's Word in our hand? We can, this isn't a very impressive-looking book. It's not very big. Um, it's small. Um, what does it mean that we're holding God's Word in our hands? Well, one thing it means is that we have the mind of God what he chose to reveal of it in his word. We know what God requires of us because we have this book in our hands. So what do we have here, though? We have, as Albert Moeller often says, something like this. It might not be a direct quote, but, but every word of this book is inspired by God, every single one. And there are no extra words. Um, that's an important part of this. There are no extra words in here. There are no, no words that, that, that have no relevance to us. There are no words that God doesn't want to communicate with us. So you're all familiar with, with this passage in um, 2 Timothy 3.16. I think you're all familiar with it, where it says this. All scripture is breathed out or inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture... All this whole book that you can hold in your hand is breathed out by God. I'm going to back up a couple of verses. But as for you, starting in verse 14, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So as we're in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 to 8, we're going to be dealing with that same kind of text that talks about the benefits of God's Word, of being able to have God's Word. Um, it's a short passage. It's only, it's only eight verses, so we'll just start by reading straight through it, um, and then we'll come back and, and discuss it a little bit more. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles open yet, um, please do that. And verses 1 through 8. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes 
and the judgments that I am teaching you and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command, that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor, but you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? Whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear these statutes will say, you notice I'm repeating this, I'm doing this on purpose, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. The reason I'm repeating it is because of the repetition of great nation. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to you as the Lord our God is to us, Whenever we call upon him, and what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So usually try to take the title, if I have one, for the, the uh, message for the study tonight from, from somewhere in the passage. And I was thinking about making this one, um, Make Israel Great Again. Um, but... Um, I think they're trying a different way to do that than, than what's commanded, <laughs> commanded here. So, instead I just called it this. The benefits of keeping the law of the Lord. And so I just, th- this passage has two four-verse sections. Um, and just a couple of points from, one from each of those. And one is that keeping the law of the Lord is a matter of life and death. Secondly, keeping the law of the Lord is the mark of, is a mark of a great nation. A mark of a great nation. So, keeping the law of the Lord is a matter of life and death. And now, O Israel. So remember that this is part of the first message. So he's not starting a new one here. It's to the whole nation. And what he has been doing up to this point um, in this first message is saying, here's what happened before, 
And now here's what you need to go forward into the future. So here's what happened before. This is what your fathers did. And they didn't get to enter the promised land. This is what you have done. And you are getting ready to enter the promised land. And now, O Israel, this is what you need to know to live in the land. So, that's where we are. He's, he's making that transition. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments that I am teaching you and do them. So, um, you can see that I've got judgments in brackets there. This is because it's not from the ESV. That, that's the translation in the New American Standard and and, and probably many of the versions that you have if you don't have um, ESV. So some of the, there are several words for um, commandments, um, instructions of the Lord, like in, we see in, in Psalm 19, law or Torah, commandments, statutes, judgments, precepts, testimony, and then fear. Um, in Psalm 19, those are those are some ways that the Word of God is um, is spoken of. The um, and they all actually have separate meanings. Um, the reason that I elected to change this translation to um, to judgments was. The Hebrew word used in this passage means judgments. Um, so, <laughs> based on the word for judge, um, and so uh, it is. It does mean that. But when you when you put these two words together, they're not they're not saying now this excludes. For example, if if you say the the statutes and the precept or the judgments, this excludes the precepts. Now, this is a merism that says everything from here to here. Basically, everything that the Lord says, I am commanding you today. All the things that I'm telling you today, you are to do. So Moses is not singling out judgments and not singling out statutes. Um, they represent all of those things. So these were Moses' spoken words. Remember, he's delivering this message commanded by God. Not yet, probably, in the, well, not yet in the form of Scripture as, as we have it. Um, and there were likely not any other Scriptures before this, except what Rose, Moses had written down and passed on. Uh, already, he's getting to the end of his life, and if he um, wrote some things down, um, they would be there already, almost certainly. Um, but clearly, when we consider what it says in the rest of Scripture, in the rest of what we have, because they didn't have this, right? Um, we would say that all of God's word is included in what Moses is saying here um, for us, for our application of this. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable, etc. So, so what do we hold in our hands when we're holding our Bibles in our hands? We are holding that, something that God 
has breathed out. Um, something that we are to learn to live by. So, but the benefit of having the Word of God is not merely having it, right? Lots of people have it. Um, the benefit of having the Word of God is not merely reading it. Um, Although that's a pretty big benefit. (laughs) But it's not the only benefit, right? It's not the biggest benefit, as we can see from our text. Listen to the statutes and the judgments that I am teaching you and do them. So, what will happen? What What will become of Israel if they do that? That you may live. And go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. So all, all along through this whole message, Moses has been saying this. He has been saying that it is that do these commandments. Because if you do these commandments, you will live. And you will go in and possess the land that God is giving you. If you do these commandments... Your fathers didn't do it in the past, and they died. You've been doing it pretty well so far, and you're alive. And now it's going to be the same way in the future. Don't think that just because you defeated Og and Sihon that you're going to get to go in the land unless if you don't remain faithful to God's word. So is that... Is that any different for us uh, than than it was for Israel when they entered the promised land? Is it any different for us? Um, That we are to, to read Scripture, listen to Scripture, obey it, um, and do it, um, well... If we have a changed heart, we will want to do that. Uh, We all know that that Scripture points to Jesus, that the Old Testament points to Jesus. Um, And and here's what Jesus says in John uh, chapter 6. I'm going to read about three verses here. I'll start in verse 63 and then take... It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words... That I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And then just a few verses later, verses 67 and 68. Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? You remember many had turned away from Jesus because uh, it was hard for them to hear the words. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So, Jesus commands Scripture um, as well. So, this tells us a lot more about God's words. Um, 
and others like it. There are other there are other verses like that. All scriptures inspired by God. So um, there's there's a guy named John Frame who's a um, theologian. Um, he has you know several um, several books. Um, one one really long book. Um, his doctrine of the Christian life that's based on on an understanding of Scripture, and, and uh, we read that as a staff together. Um, but some of the things that, just some of the principles about God's Word here is that every word of Scripture is important and authoritative. In other words, all of Scripture speaks to us um, for all of life. So, and there are no other words that should be considered as important or as authoritative as Scripture. So we'd, we'd probably all agree that we shouldn't try to add anything to Scripture. Um, but uh, there's always a danger of placing alongside Scripture something that we consider just as, as important. So um, not very long ago, I don't remember how long ago, Pastor Randy was taught on this on Sunday morning, preached on this on the Sunday morning about the dangers of uh, considering your traditions as high as or higher than Scripture. Um, and that's what, that's what the Pharisees were doing. So we would agree, though, that we shouldn't add anything. But, but would we? But our t- culture is trying to teach us that we should take some things away from Scripture. Um, if you just think about it, take away things like male and female. Take away things where there's an authority structure set up in a church. Take away things where, about the relationships of husbands and wives. Take those things away because they're old and they don't apply anymore. Our society would have us take away from Scripture. And we need to be sure that uh, we, don't do, believe, we don't do that. We don't start thinking that way. So, Frame puts it this way. We're to, this might not be a direct quote, but it's, it's close. We are to believe everything Scripture says. About everything. Everything Scripture says about everything. And we are to obey all its commands. So all of Scripture is valid for all of life. And God's Word speaks to all of life. I'm going to read a little excerpt from this book that I was just talking about, um, Doctrine of the Christian Life. Um, it's a section about Scripture and, and how we should think about Scripture and how commonly Christians do think about Scripture. How, how, it, how many Christians think about um, Scripture. And here we go. This is a, it's a paragraph. It's not a long paragraph. Christians sometimes say that Scripture is sufficient for religion or for preaching or theology, but not for auto repairs, plumbing, animal husbandry, dentistry, and so forth. 
And, of course, many argue that it is not sufficient for science, philosophy, or even ethics. That is to miss an important point. Certainly, Scripture contains more specific information relevant to theology than dentistry. But sufficiency in the present context is not sufficiency of specific information, but sufficiency of divine words. Scripture contains divine words sufficient for all of life. It has all the divine words that the plumber needs, all the divine words that the theologian needs. So it is just as sufficient for plumbing as it is for theology. In that sense, it is sufficient for science and ethics as well. In other words, the Bible, some, one way people say it is, the Bible is, um, is true in all areas that it talks about. Frames point, it talks about everything. It talks about all of life. Um, there's no part of life that is untouched by that. So what are the implications of that? What does that mean? I mean, how how often do we hear things like, I just want to know what God wants me to do. Um, And and the one that that we wear on our wrists sometimes. What would Jesus do? Well, the best answer to that is, what did Jesus do? That's the best answer to that question. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Scripture speaks is sufficient for all of life. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord, the, your God, that I command you. So that's a, that's a great translation, and everybody does it. But you should know, as we're thinking of the context here, that The word for keep um, can also be translated guard. And when you think about what it's saying, you shall not add to the word that I command you or take from it that you may guard it, that you may guard the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. So keep and guard, um, same word, they, they don't mean exactly the same things. Um, Sometimes that word is translated keep, sometimes guard. Guard it. Word or not to let anything be added to it or anything be taken away from it either. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. So, um... The, the story here, we don't have time to read the whole thing, but remember the story where this is after um, Balaam uh, comes to pronounce a curse on Israel, ends up pronouncing uh, a blessing on Israel instead because the Lord leads him in to provide, to doing a blessing. Uh, and so the people of, the people get led astray into idolatry um, by, the, by Moab, right? So, and then 
um, a great plague breaks out, and it is stopped when when an Israelite priest uh, puts a a um, a spike through a man and a, a Hebrew, uh, Jewish man, Hebrew man, and a Moabite woman uh, as they are committing adultery um, in the worship of Baal Peor. Um, and, and so that's what, that's what this is about. But So you would think, because Moses has been talking about how faithful is these, these Israelites have been. You guys... Uh, you guys, you, God said, go after Sihon and go after Og, and we did that. Right? We followed the Lord. We trusted the Lord. Well, Balaam blesses Israel after Israel defeats Og. And after Israel defeats Sihon. And right before the census of this generation, this new generation. And so, the same people who have been faithful and followed the Lord to defeat these kings, and who Moses mentions that way as something different from what their fathers did, some of those were still led astray to idol worship, even though God had done these great things before their eyes, which shows us the importance of paying close attention, keeping, guarding, making sure that you don't go astray um, from the word. So you might go, well, why would, why would the people of Israel after the Lord has shown them that he's going to fight for them against these other kings, their greatest enemies, their greatest fears, um, why would they worship another god? Why would they do that? Well, just the, the common understanding of people around them, and this is what God is trying to protect against. It's, it wouldn't be uncommon for the Canaanites and the people around them to believe that there is a supreme god, that there's a high god. That wouldn't be uncommon. Um, But they would also believe in in somebody that controlled a particular region, a god that controlled a particular region as part of the hierarchy of gods or a particular thing like fertility. Um, And so what the Canaanites would bring in would not necessarily mean, say, abandon Yahweh. It would say, worship Yahweh and come along with us and worship our our God from our country, so that he doesn't get angry with you. Um, And so that's how this happens, by not paying close attention to to what God says about not worshiping other gods and and not having other gods in his face, basically. Um, And so this is very much, this is here very much as a warning to let us know that that the word of God is a matter of life and death. So um, I actually like the translation in in this this verse that says this in verse 3. ESV says, your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. 
Your eyes are the ones that, that saw what the Lord did at Baal. In other words, your very eyes saw this. Your eyes are the ones that saw it. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. But you are the ones who held fast to the Lord your God. And all of you are alive today. That would be another way to translate that. Making the point that, hey, this happened right in front of your face, right? You saw that if you didn't cling to the word of God, if you didn't cling to God and his word, you got swept away like 24,000 people. They all died. All of you clung to the word of God, clung to God, clung to the Lord, and you're all alive. The word of God is, keeping the word of God is a matter of life and death. Keeping the law of the Lord is a mark of a great nation. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should take, that you should do them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. So this, this is very similar to verse 1. So it's the second little section here. Of, um, of our text for tonight. Uh, keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people. So what are you holding in your lap? What are you holding in your hands? Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding that comes from God. Wisdom and understanding that is God's wisdom and understanding and he gives to you. Um, that's what it is. Guard it. Don't add to it. Don't take anything away from it. Um, there really isn't any other source that we need for wisdom. There's no other source that we need from wisdom than God's, than God's word. Because, I mean, other wisdom that is not God's wisdom can, can lead us astray from God's wisdom. Um, Pastor Randy this morning. Don't lean on your own understanding. Um, Proverbs, that, Proverbs, that was Proverbs 3, 5. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's verse 6. But, um, so there are other many other benefits um, to, that, that show how good God's word is. You know, one of the favorite, famous ones and favorite ones that people read is Psalm uh, 19 that I referred to earlier with these words. But just think about this, what you're holding in your hand as, we, as I read Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together, just as they are. It's perfect. 
doesn't need anything added to it, taken away from it. It's sure. It's 100% sure. It's right. It's clean. It's true. The word of the Lord is that just as we have it. So, um, back to our verse. It is, it is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So, how often do you hear today somebody say, boy, I mean, the people who read the Bible and pay attention to it and try to live by it, that it, they are a great people. Um, not very often, I don't think, do we hear that. But, but really, it's just a matter of a different cultural setting. Because the people today who don't have the word of God have no clue of what God requires of them. And so they make it up now. Um, back, in, back in these days, back in the days of Moses, um, they tried to figure it out which God was, was, was they were offending. Now we just make up a God that, that, that is in our own image. But really, most people have no idea that it said, when it says something like this, but this is what the Lord requires of you to, to um, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Most people have no idea about that. If they don't, if they don't have the word of God, they have no different. We're no more enlightened um, than, than the people were in the time of Moses. They just had a different way of looking at the problem. Um, so without the word of God, they had no idea. So we are exactly the same way today. People are desperate. They may try to hide it, but they are desperate to know what God wants of them, even if they won't acknowledge he exists. But they have no idea. So... Um, Daniel Block, who was here a few years ago, I don't know how long ago that was, somebody might know here, but Daniel Block was, was the guy who was here for the men's conference and had to leave here. He couldn't stay around for Sunday morning because he was, he was completing his last sermon, uh, or last Sunday school class on Deuteronomy, last adult Sunday school class on Deuteronomy at his home church. Uh, he's a professor um, he's retired now, but um, so he was completing the, the last one um, after eight years uh, in Deuteronomy. He was completing the last one, and so he had to go home. But, but when he was teaching on this passage, this made such an impression on me of how hopeless a situation is without God, without God's word. How hopeless life is without God's word. So this comes from the seventh century BC, which is halfway in between, halfway in roughly between Moses and the time of Christ. Um, and so this comes from a 
um, library in Nineveh, actually. Um, And it is called, and we're going to close with this so that we can um, think about how hopeless our friends are if they don't have God's word. They may, we may hide it in all kinds of things like NFL football and college football. And are there any other sports? I'm not sure. Um, but, but we may try to hide it with, with any number of ways. But we, we may try to hide it any number of ways. But this is called Prayer to Any God. And you will hear the despair in uh, this guy's, in my voice, trying to, trying to pray this for him or say this prayer for him. May my Lord's angry heart be reconciled. May the God I do not know be reconciled. May the goddess I do not know be reconciled. May the God, whoever he is, be reconciled. May the goddess, whoever she is, be reconciled. May my personal God's heart be reconciled. May my personal goddess's heart be reconciled. May my God and my goddess be reconciled with me. May the God who has turned away from me in anger be reconciled. May the goddess who has turned away from me in anger be reconciled. I do not know what wrong I've done. I could not eat for myself the bread I found. I could not drink for myself the water I found. I have perpetrated unwittingly an abomination to my God. I have unwittingly violated a taboo of my goddess. O my Lord, many are my wrongs, great are my sins. O my God, many are my wrongs, great my sins. O goddess, many of my wrongs, great my sins. O God, whoever you are, many are my wrongs, great my sins. O goddess, whoever you are, many are my wrongs, great my sins. I do not know what wrong I have done. I do not know what sin I've committed. I do not know what abomination I've perpetrated. I do not know what taboo I have violated. The Lord has glowered at me in the anger of his heart. A God has made me face the fury of his heart. A goddess has become enraged at me and turned me into a sick man. O God, whoever he is, has excoriated me. A God, whoever she is, has laid misery upon me. When I wept, they would not draw near. When I would make a complaint, no one would listen. I am miserable, blindfolded, I cannot see. Turn towards me, merciful God, as I implore you. I do homage to you, my goddess, as I keep groveling before you. O God, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. O goddess, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. O Lord, Turn towards me, I implore you. O goddess, look upon me, I implore you. O God, whoever you are, turn toward me, I implore you. O goddess, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. O how long, O God, whoever you are, 
until your angry heart is calmed. How long, O goddess, whoever you are, until your estranged heart is reconciled? Men are slow-witted and know nothing. No matter how many times they go by, what do they know? They do not know at all if they are doing good or evil. O my God, though my wrongs be seven times seven, absolve my wrongs. O my goddess, though my wrongs be seven times seven, absolve my wrongs. Absolve my wrongs, let me sound your praises. As if you were my real mother, let your heart be reconciled. As if you were my real mother, my real father. That's a hopeless situation. Not knowing what God wants. And that is, that is what is walking around in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Expressed in a different way. But we, we don't have to wonder those things, do we? We have exactly what we need. We know exactly what the Lord wants from us. And that's why, by the way, a great nation, they might say, wow, these people are really wise. They've got these laws. They've got this wisdom. They know the mind of God. They would be the envy of the nations around them. Israel wasn't very good at carrying that out. Let's close in prayer.